And in the six months, folks, that's right, Thursday will be the completion of our first six months. And, of course, Friday is the six-month anniversary because we started on December 10th, so now June 10th, six months. Um, it's the first time I've actually acknowledged it, Seventh Time Down, which is a pretty good band. You know, I'm a fan of theirs. They sing the song. It's called Jesus Machine. We cut it off right before it gets into the, uh, the chorus and whatnot. But we're just big fans of that, and that's why we always start the show out with that. But at the beginning, that's not what we had, sir. We had a little, are you ready? But then we kind of figured, you know what? We want to keep the show running for a long time, so let's not use that song, sir. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't want to get sued by the WWE and Vince McMahon. And you're right, DG. It, it truly is amazing that, you know, six months ago we were, you know, a 30-minute show with, you know, the the DX music as our intro, and then, you know, my, my famous pure gold is live on the air. And, I, I, you know, I had this whole radio voice and... You know who the heck was I trying to kid? <laughs> yeah, I, I I tried to I tried my radio voice. I didn't I didn't even know like I was I was doing it you know subconsciously. But now you know I've gotten definitely into the groove as you will, and uh, definitely have changed. <laughs> I definitely changed for the better, let's say. And uh, I think the show has definitely <laughs> yeah. come a long way. <laughs> I don't know about you changing for the better, but let's say that you changed for the better. You know what's interesting, Joe, is that. You know, we were going over this whole retrospective thing today at the production meeting, and surprisingly enough, we weren't spending the whole time insulting each other and going crazy in each other like we normally do. But in the time that we've done this show, we have had so many different guests. It just it just amazes me. You know, we started out with Greg Polanco on our third episode, who happens to be my brother-in-law, but he also owns a Christian record label. Um, we had IWF heavyweight, the one and only Kevin Knight, join us for an hour-long um, interesting interview. We had uh, Pyro Falcon, who eventually became part of our show. We haven't heard from Pyro in a bit. Um, but, you know, he eventually did become part of our show with his On Fire with Pyro segments that were basically, uh, you know, every other show or every Thursday. Um, we also had the one and only. I think, you know, my, one of my favorite interviews, sir, if if we can, you know, harp on this for a second. Oh, harp. Bruce Harper? Is that where I'm going? No, actually, it's not. Um, one of my favorite interviews, I think, was with the Moose. Mark Malus from WFM, because he was the first WFM personality that said yes to come on our show. Now, some of you may wonder, how do we get these these people on the show, and how do we get these different uh, personalities? But the truth of the matter is that, you know, we just reach out to them. We try as much as we can, as hard as we can, to try to get some uh, flavor, as it were, to the show and get different people. We love interviewing people, as Joe likes to say, even though it's technically not true if I read the list of guests. We interview the interviewers. But we had the moose who sounded like he was hacking up a lung. We actually feared for his health and his safety during the, that interview. But we had the moose on. It's like, man, you know, this is this is a big thing here. We also had Keith Elias, you know, former New York Giant. That was big because it was our first pro um, football player, first pro athlete, uh, you know, aside from Kevin Knight, who was our first pro wrestler. Then we had the one and only, you know, good. And, I, and this is actually the truth, folks, a, a personal friend of mine. Bruce Harper, former New York Jet, great. I know, Joe, you're big on that interview. I was definitely hyped up on all those interviews, but, you know, just to take us back one step is that, like, I, I remember the whole night that we had Greg Polanco on, I remember my headset being, and his headset being way, you know, just not, you know, it was just subpar, basically. Uh, we could barely hear <laughs> him. Yeah, the interview didn't come out right. I think I was using the word definitely, obviously, every other word, so... It was just it was definitely a slop fest, if you will. And then <laughs> I do I do remember in our production meeting for our Kevin Knight interview thinking that this would be the interview of all interviews to make and break pure gold because it was just, you know, we'd have a wrestler on. We thought that we'd have Kevin Knight on, and then after that maybe we'd be able to have 
a wrestler on from his show one a week, you know, one per one wrestler per week, and that really didn't happen. So uh, you're right, Kevin Knight's interview. Uh, I think we were, you know, still amateurs, not not ready, not you know, didn't perform a good interview, and just made him basically talk the whole hour, which. You know, we look back and we laugh a lot about it, but we've definitely come a long <laughs> way in terms of how we how we talk to our guests. I mean, we didn't let Kevin um, talk the whole time, but he talked about a good ninety five you know ninety five percent of the time there. <laughs> yeah, he talked about fifty some odd minutes of a of a sixty minute show. Uh, if I'm, yeah. that's one of the first episodes that we actually did because originally, folks, like like Joe said, like you mentioned, we started at thirty minutes because we were doing it through blog talk, and we said, you know, let's start up like this, see what happens. And we thought it would be hard to fill up 30 minutes. Lo and behold, here we are today. I have a two-hour show schedule just in case. And we've gone from 30 to 60 to 90 on a regular basis. And even our last show, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, I was thinking, thinking and I was talking to you afterwards, like, man, we could have easily done another half an hour on this, but we're trying to keep it, uh, you know, in time. But the Kevin Knight interview was definitely a funny one. We had some, some laughs there with his whole, let's go Jets, let's go Pirates. <laughs> You know, and Kevin was a nice guy, you know, obviously, definitely, definitely. Um, and then, you know, moving on from that, we had, and this is a big one for us, JB, we had Anthony Tyler Quinn of Boy Meets World fame joining us. And that was cool because it really got us out of the box. Uh, oh, I guess, you know what, Greg started being out of the box from from mainstream wrestling and sports because that's mostly what we talk about even to this day. But uh, we had Anthony Tyler Quinn, uh, you know, real-deal Hollywood actor who's been on shows like Dexter and Cold Case and things and, you know, we're like, man, this is a big interview, and he was really Jersey-licious, if I can say so myself, sir. That that was his first line as he came onto the air, and let me tell you, you know, Anthony Tyler Quinn couldn't have been nicer to us here on Pure Gold, and when you look at the list as we go down the list, DG, I think that, you know, every guest has been very nice to us, and we, we were very grateful, we're very blessed, the first 50 shows, to have such great guests. I mean, some of them might have talked too much, and some of them, you know, might have not, you know, given what we really wanted, but in the end, they were really nice guests to us, especially for a show that was just starting out. I agree with that, sir. You know, we also had a, a guy who, you know what, I, I'm going to admit this publicly, I've admitted it to you privately, I was not a fan of Evan Roberts at all. I'm like, you know what, this guy is a clown, he's a goof, whatever, whatever. But from the first time he came on our show, I loved the guy. I thought he was great. I absolutely gained a newfound respect for him, his sports knowledge and everything. And then as he, he ended up becoming a regular to the point where he was part of the Pure Gold family, and we haven't had him on in a couple of months, which we, we probably should change that, you know, unless he changed his number doesn't want us to call him. <laughs> but having Evan on three different times really said to me, wow, you know, this guy's been on the show so much, we, we have our own jokes with him and things. And he's just a nice guy and, you know, just, just uh, a pleasure to, to talk to. JB, uh, we had uh, John Paul Gonzalez also who joined us from uh, uh, 4-1. Whoa, and, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, Let's take it back a notch. Who could ever forget the night that we had Evan Roberts on? And before we actually went on the air, we were just joking around, you know, saying, like, why does this guy, like, want to call in and talk to us? And then, like, as we come on, as you introduce Evan Roberts, he says, you know what the greatest thing about being on your show is? And we're laughing, you know, chuckling like little girl, sissy girls. You know, he's like, the best thing about coming on your show... <laughs> I don't show, know about sissy girls, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, we were sissy girls, trust me, if you listen back to the show. <laughs> he says, the best part of listening, coming on to your show is that you guys have no idea that I can hear everything you guys are saying. And, like, how embarrassed were you at that moment? <laughs> I was pretty embarrassed. My wife was here in the in studio with me laughing it up, uh, yucking it up, as it were. 
I was embarrassed, but Evan took it like a trooper. And again, another reason why I like him so much is his personality, and his sense of humor, and stuff. And you know, it's, we're not gonna sit here and kiss Evan's fanny, but he was definitely, uh, definitely, obviously, maybe a great guest, sir. Yes, sir. So you were saying about John Paul Gonzalez? We had John Paul who talked to us quite a bit about basketball and things, and he was he was a very nice guy as well. I actually find his tweets interesting and his Facebook comments because he pretty much rips LeBron a new one, talking about how LeBron is a horrible team player and he needs to grow up. And you know he doesn't. You don't see Dirk and then the Mavs when they win or when they make some big shots, making those stupid, you know, gestures and motions and stuff. So I always find that to be interesting. Um, big fan of uh, you know teamwork and stuff as we've learned here on PG. Aside from that, sir, we also had uh, Justin Labar, who also, like Evan, has come on our show three different times. And, you know, it's been a pleasure to talk to another nice guy. And, you know, it's given us some good advice in terms of the wrestling business and getting on and, you know, even getting guests and whatnot. Um, you know, again, Justin, who writes for WrestleZone and does his own show, was a pleasure to talk to. We had Forgiven, who was a nice guy, another friend of mine, um, Juan de Jesus, or Forgiven, as you know, a Christian rapper, um, you know, a talented guy, nice guy. Pleasure again to talk to. I mean, pretty basically, like you said, everybody's been a pleasure to talk to. We mentioned Bruce already. That was hilarious. I'm not going to get into what happened before the show went on the air, sir, because I, I think we owe it to Bruce to keep that confidential. But how hilarious was that? I mean, yeah, that was definitely another classic PG moment. And like you said, um, he was a definitely an uh, honor and a privilege to have him on because I'm a lifelong New York Jet fan. So to have him on the show was great. And you were mentioning Justin Labar, and, you know, we should also mention that how we wanted to make some contacts in the wrestling business. And I remember telling DG, even before PG, or maybe when PG was just on an instant messenger, telling DG we need to really get some contacts in the wrestling business. And, you know, I had told him about the online onslaught wrestling website and how I always thought that the Rick wrote great articles. But, you know, we reached out to him, couldn't get him, and then we ended up getting Pyro Falcon, who has been, you know, he was really great while he was on our show, and he's taking a little hiatus right now. But then DG would follow a website known, you know, as WrestleZone.com. Justin Labar, another great contact that has given us so much wealth of information and told us uh, some, you know, given some great advice. So two great wrestling contacts on the Internet world that um, we're truly blessed to have as well. Definitely, sir. As I sit here, um, promote Flavorize. One of my favorite snacks to enjoy while doing pure gold. Uh, another great contact that we had, and he talk about being a nice guy and helping us out and stuff, and another wonderful guy, somebody that I'm a big fan of because he's given me a ton, and I mean a ton of off-the-air personal advice and, and information in terms of the show, how to make it better, how to even how to conduct interviews and stuff. Is uh, Doug Mortman from Busted Open. Doug could it be a nicer guy, and, and I know. Again, it sounds like a love fest and a slop fest, like we're talking about everybody who comes on our show. But the truth of the matter is that we really like everybody who's been on our show. I, I learned to love Evan, and I've, I like everybody else, and some of them are friends of mine, you know, off the air and stuff. But uh, Doug was great because Doug really, you know, tells it like it is and is encouraging and, you know, telling us to keep going forward and, you know, not to give up and stuff. So that, that's a huge plus. We also had Christy Marie from LP Records, which is the record label my brother-in-law, Greg, owns. She was the first uh, artist from his label that we had on. And I think Christy was a little nervous when she came on the show, a bit shy. But, uh, you know, another good interview is we were able to promote her, her signing with the label. And, JB, this one, controversial, if if you would, considering some of the comments that we heard. At the, and we'll get into this later, the Fantasy Phenom. But another one of my favorites, sir, 
was uh, Lori Rubinson from WFN. And Lori was great because she was giving us play-by-play of the Mets game as she was on our show. <laughs> she was a, definitely another great guest on our show. Um, somebody that, you know, I don't listen to a lot because of her time slots, but uh, yeah, it was great to, that she was actually giving us the play-by-play while we were trying to talk about NBA playoff basketball, and uh, you know, she was definitely a great, a great person to talk to, and she was definitely a pleasure. Definitely, sir. I, what I want to know is how many times can you say definitely in one night, because it is an absolute mess. I'm aside making sure that, that I... <laughs> Aside from that, sir. Then we had another surprise, another WFN personality, folks, and that would bring our total to four. The one and only Greg. Actually, you know what? I went out of order, sir. We had Lance Hoyt, who joined us last Tuesday. Lance, to be honest with you, if I had to pick one, I think Lance was my absolute favorite interview because he was so honest and so open about his career and how he felt and what he thought about different things and how he was using the WWE. And, you know, as, as we said all, on the air, off the air, in the air, you know, wherever, whatever air you're talking about, um, we talked about how Lance could have really buried the WWE, but he didn't. He chose to take the high road. He just said, you know, he didn't feel he was used properly, which was very honest. And he was just, an, you know, awesome. He shared his testimony with us and, you know, coming to the Lord. And he was just a great guest. And hearing him talk about his career really, you know, I just loved it, sir. I absolutely loved it because it was the first time we had gotten into wrestling talk in a bit. Yeah, it was definitely great to have a wrestler on our show again, um, you know, other than maybe Kevin Knight. But this, you know, Lance was definitely somebody that um, brought a great interview. We had we had some good questions lined up, and he really, you know, like I said last Tuesday, was really honest, and it was definitely a fresh a breath of fresh air, as I do a Joe Bism on our 51st show. Um, of you course. Know, Definitely. It's only uh, it's we're only hopeful that only we can get fitting, Lance on again. Say. Yeah, it's only hopeful that we can get Lance on again in the near future, and then potentially get some other wrestlers because we try to cover like the opening shows. The opening of the show says, you know, we're all about sports life and everything in between. So we do try to talk about sports and wrestling and other stuff. So it'd be great to have other wrestlers on our show because I think, like I said, I'll be honest with you. I think we have a great platform. I think we ask great questions, and you know, I think the our guests for the most part, have a great time on our show. Yeah, I agree with you, sir. I totally agree with that. Big fan of uh, of, of Lance's and his work and stuff. And, you know, then, of course, as I stumbled earlier, we had the one and only Fantasy Phenom winner from last year, Greg Sussman, joined us last Thursday. And we, we definitely want to have Greg on again in the future to talk some more wrestling. But he was a nice guy. Uh, you know, he was, you know, made some, uh, he had a little, tried to do a little inside joke with us. But Greg did a good job coming on the air. He showed us how knowledgeable he is about sports. Because the truth of the matter is, again, he has he has the worst time fun in WFN, let's be honest, um, you know, when he does those, those crazy overnights on Saturday nights and things. But, you know, so it's hard to listen to him at times. But he was a great um, guest. He was somebody who really, you know, was excited. And we had him for quite a while, for about half the show last week. So it was good to hear from Greg and talk to him. And, you know, he was our last guest. But, you know, of course, the future holds a lot of things for us, and we're in the works. It's uh, we haven't set up an exact date, but there's a, there's a very good chance we're gonna have an, a former WFN personality, the one and only Sidney Arthur Rosenberg, joining us in the future, in the very near future, to talk about uh, you know the NBA and talk about sports, and of course WFN and his experiences there, sir. I'm I'm absolutely looking forward to that interview if we can uh, lock it up for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we have our Kevin, our intern, working on that, if you will. I mean, 
it seems like every show has a intern named Kevin. So we're you know we're working on Sid Rosenberg, and hopefully we can get him on in the next couple of weeks, definitely. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I agree with that, and we definitely, obviously, hope to have that that uh, bad mama jam on. But Joe, give give me your take. What would you if you had to sum up our first fifty shows, our first six months, essentially? What do you think? Uh, what would you say about it, sir? I would say it's it's really been fascinating how far, like I said, we've come as Matchbox. You know, not to steal the line from that song from Matchbox Twenty, uh, but it's amazing how far we've come from a thirty-minute show that just basically had me and you talking, you know, we we would do a production meeting and we would just talk about different topics. It would be one show of just one big nugget or a bunch of nuggets and we would just talk for half an hour. And then it was amazing how along the way we were able to, you know, we, we would always do our production meetings before the show and we would then start developing different things that made the show really come to life, I think. Like um, we had we had different sponsors and different ads that we would come along the way. And as, as I look through my, you know, my ad page, I see that we have, we're up to like 12 different sponsors and ads from, you know, DRG Design to Executive Business Machines, Design Stitch, Freedom Cleaning, Bikram Yoga. We always make fun of that. or We always joke around with Bikram Yoga because it's, you know, a hot box of rocks of yoga. So <laughs> we had Rocco's <laughs> Inner City Games. We had Pompton Dental Arts um, I guess KublaSoccer.com. Who could yeah, forget? Who could forget who, you know, who could forget Easy Pizza? That's where like DG like dines almost every other day at this place. I mean, like I said, they should make him part <laughs> owner of this show. I mean, of this uh, this franchise because he, he he loves Easy Pizza and uh, who could who could blame him? Easy Pizza is a great place. We had New Jersey Spartans become a sponsor and ad for us. Three six fitness three sixty five and just recently Shamalar. So D G as we you know, as the show grew, uh we, we we got more and more ads thanks to you. And we you know the one the one bright spot too that uh, on the show was I think, you know, getting some free publicity when I went on the show on Mike Francesa's show on May twenty ninth, mic'd up and I, you know, didn't want to plug our show but I was able to talk about our show and Mike Francesa kept asking me question after question and then People like Dominic from Hicksville noticed us, and even like uh, the unofficial website of WFAN, which is WFAN.net, also started recognizing you mean 66 us. WFAN.net? Yes, sir, that. You are the man. So we started getting recognized from other places, and then we started building contacts. And, you know, I love to use this word, and you love this word, and we started networking. And when you come full circle, uh, that we, you know, we'll talk about what happened this past weekend. It's really amazing when you think about how far we've come. I agree. You know, I couldn't agree further. It was just a great, great six months. And it's amazing how time flies when you're having fun. And this show has been a ton of fun for me. It's just been one, you know, one blessing after the other. And it truly, you know, th- there's only three words to sum it up, sir. I like turtles. <laughs> there's no other I- way. As a matter of fact, that is another one of my favorite parts of the show is when we started adding sound bites. I know you started it with the whole Chris Russo impersonator. And that, to me, just makes it classic pure gold. High five. <laughs> you know, the, the the truth of the matter is that there's only two words to sum up how I feel about this show. Hallelujah. It's very nice. <laughs> it's very nice, sir. And I'm happy, again, to be a part of the show. I'm thrilled that we've come this far and, you know, our show is just way better than it was at the beginning. I think about those days, I'm telling you, and it seems like years ago we were just starting out, and I guess... You know, Mike and Chris had their starting point. Mike, you know, they were talking probably. And, man, 
what were we like in our first episode, and here we are, you know, we can remember six months ago, but pretty soon, you know, we'll have been doing this thing for a year, and, you know, we're going to have a big celebration, we're having a semi, for my birthday on Saturday, we're having a semi-PG celebration, uh, which, will, which will be uh, a hot box of rocks, as you said before, sir. Uh, yeah, another thing let's, let's not forget about is uh, the gentleman that's going to be coming on in about five minutes or so. I mean, we had a production meeting, I believe, on a Saturday that we were discussing how, you know, it's good that we talk a lot but you know about different things. And I would do the sports updates, you know, b- before we actually hired a sports update guy. And then we decided that not only does this guy could do a sports update, but it would be great for him to give his take or his rant of the day. And, you know, we were able to hire TJ, Todd Johnstone, onto our show and that even made it even better. What do you think about that? Well, considering how his takes are usually all over the place, um, you know, having Todd on the show has definitely been great. Just to rag on him and to make fun of him and JB, JB, JB. Even if it's me introducing him, you gotta love that. But um, yeah, Todd has been great. You know, and then having, of course, adding Hans to the family, who's gonna come on later in the show as well to discuss the X Men First Class movie that we both happened to see over the weekend. Um, you know, adding him to the show also added a different flavor, and it's just good to see that we've come so far. You know, like you said, we have our update guy, we have our board operator, we just have a lot of things going on for us. So we have, you know, guys who come and basically help co-host the show. We had our Smallville View segment, I and mean, we even have different segments going on, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, like I said, I, I, we'll talk about what happened this weekend to the audience, probably right uh, on the other side of the half hour after Todd does his take, but... Um, I just remember, like, when we had, you know, we decided to hire Todd, I remember you going behind my back as you are the sneaky little devil that you are and decided to hire Todd before consulting me, but that was okay because he's such an honor and, a, you know, it's an honor and privilege to have Todd do his takes, even though you do rag on him a bit, DG. Of course. I prefer sneaky little angel, by the way, but that's, an, that's another <laughs> story for another time. That's good. You know, so, so um, you never... Go ahead, sir. Wait. You never... Gave your take on who your favorite guest was, sir. And I know we're going way back to about ten minutes ago, but I talked to you how I thought Lance was my favorite. What about you, sir? Um, I just like the the fact that you know I, I like Devin Roberts only because I was able to joke with the guy. We were able to joke with the guy, and um, you know he's a guy that's come up the ranks through WFEN. You told me that he used to do sports up or he used to do updates on the IMA show when he was eight years yeah. old, and he was able to, yeah. you know, it's somebody that, you know, I, I hate to say this, Evan, but it's somebody that you almost look up to in terms of if you want to get into the business. He did it, like, so young, and it's so, so amazing how far he's come in his career. And I just thought it was great for him to come on our show. I'll never forget Mark Malusis, even though he was on his deathbed that day. I remember calling the WFAN media room, or what's that called, the press room? Um, I forget what it's called. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if it's the media room or not, but... We called some crazy room and Moose came on and he was, I don't know what he was doing, but he was coughing up. <laughs> we, we thought Moose was going to be rushed to the hospital mid-show. Yeah, so, um, and we'll talk about Fantasy Phenom on the other side. Wait a second. Yeah. Would you wait a second? Wasn't there somebody else we thought was we thought was on their deathbed when they came on the show? There was somebody else who was sick or something was wrong, wasn't there? Because we've had a couple of guests who are, you know, as we, as we communicate, you know, while the guest is talking or even in between senses and stuff with our hand gestures and movements and notes that we pass to each other. There was somebody else who I thought, man, what the heck is wrong with, with this person? I thought they were either coughing it up or something was wrong with them. And I, I forget who it was, sir. It wasn't Bruce Harper? <laughs> no. 
No, it was not Bruce Harper. That, that was uh, that's another story for another time. I'd rather not even talk about that. Uh, you don't have to be quite honest with you, sir. All right. Um, so, like I said, DG does get a lot of credit. We also, you know, let's not forget that DG was able to create a website for us and has been a great platform for people to listen to our shows, uh, check out our information. DG is always on top of the, you know, the media side. We do have people that work for us, but DG is the man that, you know, gives out the direction, gives out the orders, and it's truly an honor and privilege working with such a, you know, professional, not only on the air, but he does a great job off the air for all he does for PG. That's absolutely true. I mean, I really am PG. You're just the slob that I hired to, you know, come along and, and do the show, as it were, you know? <laughs> Definitely. So I, I, I'm guessing our, our friend is on the air waiting on hold. Yes, sir. He is on the air. Are there any uh, closing thoughts on our first six months before we slob it over to Todd? Well, you know, the British lady has not gotten my coffee the way I've wanted the last couple of weeks, but that's okay because the British lady is a lady that we, you know, she's near and dear to our heart at PG, and uh, the first six months have been great, DG, seriously. Honestly, definitely, in all seriousness, it's been a great ride the first six months, and hopefully, you know, we, we could do our show for another, you know, whatever, six years, but hopefully we could do it on a platform that, you know, gets us more, I don't want to say more exposure, but just, you know, more people can, you know, call in and, and voice their opinions because, remember, let's, like I said, Dominic from Hicksville loves our show, and, you know, we love him. We can call in anytime he wants, and it's, it's the people that call in that, that adds that extra flavor of pure gold. Oh, of course. You know, we've had uh, some classic callers like Neil from Belleville, probably my favorite. Hey, Dave, remember me? <laughs> that was my absolute favorite. Um, hey, Angel. it's Joe's dad. Looks like we have Angel. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That's the first time Neil ever – I didn't even know his name, first of all, for all these years. And that's the first time I think Neil ever spoke to me in his life. <laughs> I was at your wedding. I was at your 30th, 30th birthday party I threw for you. I mean, I, I've, I've been in your house the more times than I, your daughter's party, and more times than I can count. And that's the first right. time I've heard your dad utter a word. Uh, we had uh, Angel from Woodland Park, West Patterson, wherever the hell he's from, a professional that he is. You know, that, that was great. <laughs> he said we were professional about ten times in a row in the same, uh, you know, same sentence. That was good. We also have had, uh, you know, guys like Vic, who's on drugs. We hopefully Vic is recovering right now, and you know, he's he's uh, going through rehab. We had Todd, who incidentally started off as a caller on our show. And begged and pleaded and, you know, paid us to get him on the show, of course. Like you know, a just dog. So you know, folks, get a, la, 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 he begged, kid, <laughs> begged like a, la, 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 like a dog. Uh, and it was great because, of course, we don't pay Todd. He pays us to come on the show. Poor slob that he is. Uh, we've had Kenny Wacko that he is calling us from Florida. I mean, we've had quite we had, we had uh, quite a few callers, sir. I can't even imagine... I can't even remember. The, what other callers have we had? So I know we've had a, a few other. Uh, oh, we had Mitch, who's called in a couple of times. Who else, sir? Uh, uh, Janelle, I think his name is. Who? Oh, Janelle. <laughs> Janelle, yeah, Janelle also called us. He actually now, another person who's become part of the Pure Gold team, he is the one who writes the Solid Gold movie reviews and, of course, the trailer park, sir. And who else have we had? Can you think of any biz? Let's not forget about our friends from Boston. Uh, how about Shannon, who has called in? That's right. That's right. Another uh, pure gold caller, and um, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing. Oh, of course, Dominic from Mixville who's called us a couple of times. How can I forget the Dominator? Um, and you know, it's just been great having people call in and you know share their opinions and things. We had Yvonne call in one one show. I remember Nikki who called in as well. Lenise who called in to talk about Smallville. 
I mean, it's right. just pure gold, sir. It's absolutely pure gold. And uh, JB, I believe, without further ado, let's uh, let's drop it like it's hot on your boy TJ. All right, it's time for folks. It's ten thirty-one. It's time for the sports update. And Todd's Take brought to you by, guess what, folks? There's no real sponsor tonight, so I'm just going to say it's brought to you by Pure Gold. Pure Gold, the first 50 shows have been great. Let's see what happens after show 51. <laughs> I like that. I just made that up. <laughs> Without further ado, Todd, sir, how are you? I am great. You guys, you are the master of improv over there, Joe. Please I am. check the mail for this week's show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So, in the NBA Championship Series of Game 4, which the Heat lead 2-1, to one, the Heat are leading the Mavs 47-45 at the half. NHL, in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals last night, the Bruins laid the smack on the Canucks 8-1. to one. They lead, uh, the, the Canucks lead the series 2-1, to one, and they play again tomorrow night. Puck drops at 8 p.m. in Major League Baseball. The Orioles are... Are on top of the A's four to nothing. Indians beat the Twins one to nothing. Dodgers over the Phils six to two. D-backs drop one to the Pirates five to eight. Yankees are losing to the Sox in the bottom of the ninth three to six. I'm sure everybody's thrilled about that one. <laughs> I know I could barely contain my joy. Tigers are beating the Rangers six to one in the seventh. Cubs are uh, have lost to the Reds two to eight. Braves over the Marlins one to nothing. Mariners are losing to the Southsiders, one to five in the eighth. The Jays and the Royals. The Royals lead the Jays five to six in the eighth. Cardinals over the Strohs, six to three in the eighth. Rays over the Angels, one nothing in the second. Rockies and the Padres nodded at zero in the second. Nets and the, the Nets. You like that one? The Nats and the Giants tied at nothing in the first. Also, and the Mets are leading the Brewers in the seventh which means they're about to fall apart. <laughs> UG? Uh, JB, you can handle that one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, who could ever forget one of Todd's famous quotes? I can't even read my own handwriting. I mean, that was classic pure gold, folks, the first 50 Wait, shows. Wait, which time? The first time he said it or the fifth time he said it? <laughs> uh, it was definitely the first time because the first time is always the best. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> So let me I'll segue you know into... I, yeah, uh, please do. Segue into this. Continue to butcher this one, sir. I am Abdul the Butcher. <laughs> Todd, <laughs> like we've said for the first, you know, some odd shows, I wouldn't say the first 50 Definitely. because we didn't have you on for the first 50, about like 43 in. Uh, sir, it's time for your Todd's take, so sir, take it away. I want you guys to both know that tonight's take was handwritten, so... I'm sure it'll be Uh-oh. chock full of mistakes. So, oh, here we go. Time for me to bring the show down. So, as we are knee-deep in a championship series for two of the four major sports, namely the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League, one can't help but think about some of the negativity in all that is good about these two series. And more than that, the negativity, I can't help but ask myself, self Given the opportunity to win the ultimate accolade for my given sport, what would I do to attain it? So, self, here are some situational moral quandaries to wrestle with. All set? Okay, here we go. Number one, 
would you forego your legacy and how all the old folk will remind their grandchildren about what a piece of trash you are and how you quit on your team in the playoffs only to put your ego on display on national television as you plunge the dagger in the back a little deeper. Hmm. Okay, Mm. number two. Would you sacrifice playing in the rest of the championship series to take out, and when I say take out, I mean cause great bodily harm and possibly cause permanent brain damage to the top scorer of the opposing team? Mm. Would you? Probably not. Okay, and finally, number three. Let's switch sides now. As a coach, would you allow a great player on your team to receive special treatment? Would you allow that player to take advantage of fans and supporters by taking gifts, by receiving money, or any other type of compensation just so that he'll continue to play for you? Would you allow that player to consider himself above reproach and not subject to the rules of conduct? These are very interesting questions. You play to win the game. That is the point. And, hey, Herm, I get it. But John Facenda also said, it's a game, not a war. It's played win or lose, not life or death. But then again, John Facenda didn't have to worry about four losing seasons resulting in his job being taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB? Take it away, DG. Thanks, Todd. As always, a pleasure. Yours, of course. Uh, we appreciate your take. As always, anytime you get on the show, Bass LeBron, it's two thumbs up from JB and myself. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, don't cash that check until Friday. <laughs> All right, Todd. Have a good one. You too. JB, who brought us that wonderful take by Todd? Well, that wonderful take was brought to you by pick a number one through twelve. I would say eleven. Eleven. This show was brought to you by Fitness Three Sixty Five. Are you sick Woo! of being out of shape? I am tired of not having the energy to do what you need to do. It's time to get yep. sick and tired of being sick and tired. Oh yeah. We hear. We here at Fitness365 have the answer for your workout problems. Call us at 973-592-7840 for a high-intensity interval training boot camp. Get in shape fast with four weeks of tough training and an easy-to-follow meal plan, all for the low price of $100. Visit us at www.powerhousegym.vpweb.com. And for more information, make sure you call 973-592-7840. We are Fitness365. Get fit. Be fit, stay fit. DG. Woo! Joe, let's get into what happened on Saturday. Let's get into our weekend. Let's get into the Fantasy Phenom competition, sir. Break it down. <laughs> let's wake up at 4 a.m. because we need to get <laughs> online for Fantasy Phenom. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> I mean, what some an of absolute the... mess. Yeah. I think that that part was uh, a definitely slot fest where, you know, I think you got to my house at like 4.55 because, you know, we were hurrying because, you know, WFAN Fantasy Phenom 2 was at Menlo Park starting at 10 a.m. So we figured if we get there by, I don't know, 5.30 a.m., we would be one of the first people online we have to wait. And, you know, we got there early enough, let me tell you, DG, but we couldn't find the damn place. You know, what's funny is that we sat there, as I'm ready to vomit, 
Um, we sat there ready to rock and roll. We got there so early, folks, that not only was the mall not open, we didn't see any cars, but we decided to go eat breakfast at the Menlo Park Diner where our waitress was chatting it up like there's no tomorrow, uh, you know, almost to the point where we <laughs> got kind of uncomfortable, but that's besides the point. Um, you know, we had breakfast, and we went back to the mall, and we ended up just, ha- I happened to just walk in, you know, stumbling to see what's going on, I saw a line over by Foot Locker. I said, what the heck is this? I go over, and apparently the new Jordans came out. I don't know, Jordan's uh, 1,055th pair. I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, you don't quote me on that one. So the, they come out, and, I, you know, I start to walk away, and I said to myself, you know, let me ask the security guard about this fantasy phenom thing. What's going on with it? We expected to see maybe some signs or something. I mean, you know, oh, common sense, right? So the guy mm-hmm. tells me, oh, it's over by the fountain. I call you, and I call Kelly Arbordoff, who went with us, and we went there, we got there about 6 cents and change, 6.30 maybe, and there was 10 people online. And honestly, if we had gone in originally like we had planned, we would have been the first ones. But, you know, we sat there online, we met a couple of interesting characters. Um, you know, one of the contacts that we made, great guy, Kevin Canessa, who uh, tried out right after us. And we also met Patty, <laughs> the one and only Patty from Brick who was, uh, you know, dropping it like it was hot on uh, some WFM personalities who shall remain nameless. But Patty was quite the character, talking to us about his experience last year at the Fantasy Phenom, and how he was actually in the group that uh, that produced Greg Sussman, the winner of the Fantasy Phenom, sir. And, uh, you know, like I said, we, got a, we were there for four hours, folks, so we were chatting it up with all the guys there, but mostly uh, Pat and Kevin really, you know, were, were guys who were right by us, and we were able to talk to them for a while, and, you know, bond and... You know, Kevin is actually our contact who's getting a Sid Rosenberg and, you know, somebody who's, whose input we value very much in the show because he's obviously someone who knows his, his sports. So it's great to have Kevin helping us out and, you know, hooking us up as it were. But, JB, give us your thoughts uh, so far on that. That uh, Up until this point, what, what was going through your mind, sir? I know that when we, you know, eventually got into the mall because you went in first looking for this place because there was no signs anywhere about for the Fantasy Phenom 2. But after we got there, we waited online, and we started talking, and, um, you know, I got to meet Patty from Brick, as you will, and I, I met Kevin as well, but uh, mostly Patty uh, from yeah, Brick. Yeah, we did, because I already, mentioned, I already mentioned that we we met both of them, just, you know, yeah, to clear uh, that up. Right, definitely, obviously. But uh, I just want to give you my take on that, is that, you know, he basically started talking to me about how he was uh, in last year's competition. He was in the semifinals, and, you know, when you think about the semifinals, I mean, the semifinals is not like the last four people. It looks like the semifinals is consists of anybody that gets past the first round because if you look on their website, it does say that these are the semifinalists, but they still have to go to three more locations. But Patty from Brick proceeded to tell me, tell DG, and I guess like anybody within earshot of him, how he thought about certain <laughs> personalities on WFAN. He proceeded to tell us what he thought about what you need to do, and, you know, who the judges might be. And, you know, last year they had Harris Allen and a couple other people. And, you know, I think it was Erica Herskowitz, too. Yeah, even Erica Herskowitz. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, I mean, you know, we're going to answer some questions. We're going to do our rants. And, you know, we had to wait a good four hours before we got to go on. So there was definitely time to yap it up. And, you know, Patty from Brick definitely gave us some good advice. Uh, really nice guy. And Kevin, again, who we got to talk to later on, before we went on um, on our, our little rant, he definitely was a nice guy, gave us some good advice, and um, was able to hopefully get us Sid Rosenberg on the show. So 
So that's you know that's what I thought about up to that point, sir. I love how you basically just repeated everything I said over the last two minutes. So I appreciate oh. you, uh, you know, scumming it up for the fans, uh, you know, Mike. But anyway, so <laughs> at this point, you know, here we are, ready, and you know, again, like Joe said, Pat was telling us about, you know, who we thought was going to be the judges and stuff, and then we end up looking and finding out that not only is it not Harris Allen, is it not Erica Herskowitz, but it's the two biggest guys in the entire station, the one and only Mark Chernoff the station manager, and Eric Spitz, the program director. And Joe, I believe, crapped in his pants when he found this out. Can you confirm or deny that story, sir? I did not crap in my pants, but, geez, did I start thinking to myself, I cannot believe that we're going to be able to do a rant in front of these two big executives. I really thought that we'd be able to do something in front of people that you know were on the air. And to have <laughs> these two big guns come out, and, you know, judge us, I, I, I have to admit, I felt a little nervous after that point. You know, they came out all full guns blazing because we're we're sitting here thinking, man, you know, like Pat said, we're going to have the minor people. But, no, we had the big boys who, uh, you know, who were judging us. And I wasn't nervous, but it definitely added a little bit of a little oomph to the, uh, to the proceedings, sir, I, I have to admit. It did. So then, you know, we, how many times, you know, did we actually, you know, there were different lines that were formed – for this event, and I feel like we got moved about four different times, like cattle, you know, in a zoo or just, you know, sheep herding, <laughs> because I felt like we got moved like four different times, four different places, and so, you know, they didn't know what to do with us at one point. I agree wholeheartedly. They definitely did not know what to do. They kept moving us. I mean, they made they made us get into a separate line, and they moved us from that line up against the wall like criminals, you know, they're in a lineup. But I thought they were going to start picking people out and, and arresting them. But, uh, yeah, we moved around a lot, Joe. And then eventually we got to the point we're all waiting for. I, you were number 11. I was 13. How we got separate, I have no clue. But, uh, anyway, so we, we got called away. You got called for us, and I got called for the, obviously, definitely, for the uh, screening portion of it. And uh, give us your take on the screening, sir. What did you think about that process? Well, I got screened by this girl named Janet, and I don't know where she works in the, on the show, uh, on the station. But, um, you know, I told her, you know, she asked me, who do I root for? Why do I want to do this? Do I feel like I'm ready for it? And and then, you know, she asked me, like I said, she asked me who I liked. And I'm like, yeah, I like, I, I like the Mets and the Jets. And she goes, all right, I'm going to ask you a giant and Yankee question. And in my head, I'm like, what? This is crazy. She doesn't want me to get through because why would you be asking somebody uh, a couple questions on the, the opposite team that the person just told you that they root for? So my first question, DG, was, you know, what college did Lawrence Taylor go to? I was like, are you kidding me? Where did Lawrence Taylor go to a college? I'm like, Florida State? <laughs> She's Hell, like, I don't no. even know what college I don't even know what college Lawrence Taylor went to and I'm a Giants fan, sir. So so yeah, I picked Florida State because it's a well known college, so I figured he went to Florida State. She's like, No. I'm like, Okay, where'd he go? She's like, North Carolina. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right, so you know, I'm over one <laughs> I'm all for one right there. Her next question is, which New York Yankee starting pitcher went four and fourteen in two thousand? And I'm thinking to myself, what? <laughs> this is not happening right now. This is my worst nightmare come true. I'm not going to get any question right, and I'm not going to be able to do my rant. And let's just let's just also say that the first ten people that were um, 
screened by these uh, these screeners, basically, got through and got to do their rant. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be the first guy that's not even going to be able to do a rant, which is pretty sad considering they only had about 70 people show up because they thought that there's there's going to be hundreds. So when I couldn't answer that question, when I had said somebody, I forgot who I even said, I might have said Hideki, Hideki Arabu or something like that. She's like, no. It was David Cohn. I was like, okay, it was David Cohn. So I'm over for two, and at that point, I'm thinking to myself, the next question, I'm probably going to bomb, and I'm just going to walk away. And she asked, you know, who was the mo- who had the most wins for the Mets in the year 2000, starting pitcher? So I said, Al Leiter. I got that right. And she looked at me, and she said, you think you can do this? Can you make me proud? And I said, I'm going to do this for you, <laughs> and I'm going to do this for me. So, so after you... The funny thing is, after you already embarrassed yourself with the with the uh, question, she goes, "Can you make me proud, please?" And you're like, "Well, honestly, no, because I just embarrassed myself in front of you, so uh, I'm gonna leave right now." Yeah, and at that point, you know, you go to the um, the front desk again, you take your picture, and then they give you a like, I guess, a little you know lanyard that has your number. I guess. And then you wait on a, yeah, and then you wait on a different line. So from at that before I get to the next part, DG, how was your questions? It was interesting because I had this guy who ended up being a Mets and Giants fan like me, and we got into that. So I knew this guy loved me right off the bat because we already had a common ground. So he asked me uh, his first question, which I got wrong, the only question that I got wrong, actually, unlike you, you got them all wrong, was uh, which Met won the most games in the 1986 World Series. Now, in the back of my head, I kept thinking Bobby Ojeda, Bobby Ojeda, but I said Dwight Gooden because Gooden was basically uh, just about coming off a Cy Young year. So I said either Gooden or maybe maybe Darling, but I'm not really sure. When he said Ojeda, I, I yelled out, damn it! And I said to him, I knew it was Ojeda. Come on! And I really was, I'm not even making it up. I really was thinking Ojeda, but for some reason I, that name did not come out of my mouth. And he goes, <laughs> this is my favorite part, Joe. He goes, yeah, this question isn't for any credit, but uh, let me ask you, um, which men had the most home runs in 2006? And I'm thinking, damn it. Why is, why is this question not worth any credit? Why is this not part of the, the process? And that right. correct answer is the one and only Carlos Abaturani, who had 41 home runs, tied Todd Hundley's all-time Met home run record, which, of course, was set in 1996 by Hundley, uh, another switch-hitting beast of a man. And uh, I got that question right. He thought it was Delgado. They said they, they weren't sure. What what I found fascinating, Joe, was this is WFAN. How could they not know the answer to the question? How could they not just look it up on their phone and find out and realize that it is Beltron and that's it? That's pretty sad. I mean, you're right about that. Um, but you you said I, I missed all three questions. I actually got the last question right. Yeah, sure you did. Anyway, so moving on from that, uh, I got that question right. Then he goes to me, all right, here's a football question. I was like, oh, my gosh. No, no, I'm sorry. It was an, I think it was another Matt question. He goes, what was uh, who made the final out of the Subway Series? And that was a question that we had all talked about online because of Pat. So I mean, I I, I knew who it was just knowing trivia, but that kept it fresh in my mind. So of course, and Mike Piazza and I got into the whole story of that. So he loved it. Then his final question to me was, which who led the NFL in return yards, punt return yards in 1989? And he said it was a former Giant. When he said former Giant. All I could think of, the only thing that came flashing across my brain, was the one and only Dave Meggett. I got it right. He shook my hand. He said, "You know, up to you know, you're my favorite guy that I've interviewed so far. You're the best guy that I've interviewed so far." And all I could think of was, "Yeah, you only interviewed three other people, but uh, whatever, I'll take it." So then I got on the 15th line of the day, and JB, now you can take it away, sir. 
All right. So, you know, I, I was able to watch a couple people do their rants, and uh, a couple people went two minutes, because you were allowed two minutes, basically, to do a rant. I saw a couple people go over two minutes, just a little bit. Some people just went under, way under. I saw a guy do one for 51 seconds. So the guy that actually was in front of me did a 51-second rant, and I was collecting my thoughts, and all of a sudden I was told that it's time to go. So I just compared how, again, not compared, but I just uh, my rant was about how LeBron James will never be Michael Jordan. I feel like I probably rushed through my whole rant and was able to finish my entire argument, but I could have obviously put more into it. Uh, by a oh, minute 35, definitely. yeah, definitely. By a minute 35, minute 40, I was finished. They said thank you. I felt confident that I got my point across, but it had not gone, you know, had not gone the full two minutes. And then I just waited for one other person. I think it was Kevin that got in between us, and then it was time for DG to go. No, actually, it wasn't Kevin because Kevin went after me. I think he was, oh, he was the person right, right after me because we decided, okay. you know, to to wait and listen to him. Listen right. to him uh, slop it up, as it were. But, uh, you know, I, no, no, I'm just kidding. Kevin actually did a good job. But aside from that, the interesting thing, sir, is that, like you said, I was waiting online. I saw the guy go for uh, for 51 seconds. I mean, the guy, he, he basically, in wrestling terms, he blew up, you know. He absolutely yeah. blew up. Instead of instead of pacing himself, I said, you know, they tell you two minutes. I'm thinking you got to do cl- at least two minutes or close to two minutes. This guy couldn't even get a minute in the bag, and obviously he didn't make it to the next round. But when I saw that, when I saw the time, all I could think of was, man, this guy's done. There is no way in beep is this guy ever, ever going to make it past this round. Um, and he even said to the he even said to turn off and spit. He's like, yeah, that's all I got. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You come here, you so you waited in line for four hours like a putz like we did, and that's all you can come up with is. Uh, 51 seconds of nothing. So that was interesting. You know, moving on from that, then uh, you went, I got you, I saw you, you went about a minute 35, and I'm like, oh, come on, Joe, you're going to do a little bit longer. But not to fear, DG, as always, had to come in and save the day and save your sorry butt. I did my two-minute rant. I actually grabbed the microphone and walked around like I was preaching, and I had my Hulkamania shirt, which the girls at the table loved, by the way. They took a picture of me. I guess the machine went bad because the, the power of Hulkamania was in, was in my uh, hands. And uh, something went wrong, so it took a little while. But the, one of the girls, the girl who interviewed you, who um, you know you gave the questions, was uh, was taking a picture of me because she wanted to send the Hulkamania shirt to her, I don't know, her brother or something. Anyway, I did my two-minute rant. I walked back and forth. I felt confident. I, I thought I really brought it. And uh, you know, overall, I said the experience wasn't was enjoyable. Unfortunately, we didn't get picked to go to the second round. But overall, sir, before we get into uh, how we would have improved it. What did you think of it, sir? I thought the, it was a great experience for me personally. Um, I was got, able to, like you said, and like I've said, we were able to network with some people. It was a, you know, even though we got really, really, really early for no Way reason, apparently. <laughs> apparently that, no, you know, they only had about 70 people show up. So, um, but, you know, it's better to be, like you said, DG, whenever you get ready for these events or whenever you have to be on time, you're never on time. So for the first time in your life, at least you were on time to this event, and you were, you know, one of the first uh, 20 people that was picked or just, you know, was able to do an audition. So that was a good thing. Um, I, I had a good time because I um, was able to meet some people, like, you know, like I said, Kevin, Patty from Brick. Um, and just to, Yeah, you know, we know Patty from Brick. We know where he's <laughs> from, sir. He's from Brick. Uh, yeah, and he then, is. you know, 
Chernoff and uh, Spitz for them to show up was definitely cool. And I think I got caught up in the moment a little bit, you know, thinking to myself, holy crap, this is Chernoff and Spitz that I'm doing a rant on uh, for them to judge me. It was just uh, maybe a little bit overwhelming the first time around. And I'm not sure if I'm thinking about going on June 24th at Livingston Mall, DG, um, to try out again. But uh, let me get your thoughts and then. Um, we don't want to rip the process, but I definitely think that the process could be done a lot better. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to rip it, but we're going to tear it apart. And, of course, we don't want to come across as sore losers, which we're not, not. Because, you know what, we felt good. We, we went out there. We did what we felt our best. And, you know what, they didn't pick us. So be it. It was an opportunity. We, of course, we have pure gold. We, we can bring the show to you as, as much as possible and, you know, really bring it. And, obviously, we have control over what goes on here. But I enjoyed it. I really, I really absolutely dis- detested the fact that we woke up so early. I got three hours of sleep last night. I was preaching to the youth on Friday night. Got three hours of sleep. I couldn't even go to sleep and then got up to pick your, your sorry butt up. We got there. We went to that that crazy diner, had the food, and did what we had to do. And, you know, I, I, was, I was not happy about that, sir, because I literally could have gotten about four extra hours of sleep, showed up there at like 11 o'clock, and still gotten it with no problem. I think Mike's, and we talked about it too with Patty from Brick, Mike psyched out a lot of people and maybe other hosts did too talking about how many people they were going to be and that you know you got to get there early and this and that so we decided to get there super early and it was a complete waste of time and as my wife would point out we were able to leave early and you know be done for the day but still that to me that kind of ruined the whole idea that because we we got there early for no reason but aside from that i thought it was fun you know like you said we made a couple of contacts and we enjoyed it and we talked it up but i guess that's the only part that really leaves a you know sticks in my craw is that we could have just slept for many hours more and just not rushed or anything and gotten there and left and had no problems there. Yep. So about the actual process itself, um, you know, I understand that there's a lot of people that are auditioning for this fancy phenom spot. Um, I thought the questions could have been more standardized. Like, you know, I, I, I bet the same questions that um, I was asked was not asked to everybody. Like, you know, she asked me, um, why I want to do this? Okay, that's a good question. But like, why don't you ask about like what kind of experience, if any, do you have that you could bring to the table? Like, why why should we pick you as the next fantasy phenom? She didn't ask me that. She asked me. I mean, I don't understand if you're a sports fan. Yeah, you're supposed to know a lot of trivia. But why are you asking me what teams I like, and then you're asking me, you know, questions on the opposite teams? I, that to me didn't make sense. And then, you know, the biggest thing that I found that was weird is that <clears throat> this is a spot to do a radio show one night a week, Saturday night from 1 in the morning till 3 in the morning, and you're doing a two-minute rant on a stage. You're not even sitting down behind a mic. Uh, you're doing like a, a, a stand-up comedy bit for these two executives at WFAN. <laughs> I just thought that that was definitely the wrong way to find out who your next fancy phenom is. I mean, I know DG has a great point, a great way of altering the process or doing something different that would make much more sense than what we did on Saturday. Yes, sir, I absolutely agree, of course, because I thought of it. I agree with you on every point. I I didn't think the process was good. And then seeing the guys who won, and I, I honestly, you know, I sat around to hear Kevin, thought he did a good job. And we heard Patty from Brick. Yes, that's right, Patty from Brick. I thought Pat did great. I absolutely loved it. I thought he had a great stage presence about him, you know, doing his stand-up comedy bit, I mean his uh, audition. But Pat did what we didn't even think of doing, 
and Kevin did the same thing, but Pat was successful because he got picked, was doing it like an opening, like a two-minute opening monologue for a show. If they had said, give me two minutes of whatever, then, yeah, I would have thought, okay, well, let me do an intro, introduce myself, give the call-in number, set it up. When I hear two-minute rant, I think a two-minute rant. Rant is a uh, rambling or whatever, maybe not rambling, but your take on a specific topic for two minutes, not doing a monologue, doing an intro, hey, this is Dave from, you know, Parsippany, blah, blah, WFAN, 718 you know, call. that's how Pat did it, and I didn't think that that was really following the rules, as it were. And again, I'm not ragging on him because he, he did what he had to do, and he learned from last year. But a lot of the guys who won, I noticed after watching the videos on the, on the fan, did that. And if I had known that, I would have done the same thing. I thought I did a pretty good job. I thought I brought it, but aside from that, I thought they should have been a little clearer about the rules. And I honestly, again, I agree with you completely, and, and we even talked to it with a couple of guys afterwards. I don't understand the point of having somebody stand up, like you said, on a stage and do basically a two-minute comedy bit in front of the producer and the you know program director because the truth of the matter, general manager, because the truth of the matter is, like you said, it's a radio show. You're you're gonna sit there behind a desk where nobody's ever gonna see you. You know, thank God for some people, but nobody's ever gonna see you. You're gonna talk to callers. You're gonna sit in a chair. You're gonna have the headphones on. So why would you set up a crazy stand-up stage and then ex- your stage presence is irrelevant? You could have had your back to them and done the whole spot. You could have been laying down and done the whole spot. Nobody would ever know. And that's the point. That's what I don't understand. And, again, I'm not trying to come off with anything other than I'm grateful to WFM where both are for the opportunity to, to perform in front of them and to at least get a chance. But the truth of the matter is, if you really want to make this fantasy phenom to find out talent, how tell me, Joe, how are you going to tell in two minutes if somebody's going to be a good host or not? I think the process is flawed. I think it's a terrible idea to, to try to determine who's going to be the next fantasy phenom. Yeah, I mean... You thought about like why don't we just give them a fake wait, wait, wait. caller? Like D- don't don't mention that yet. Let's not get into that yet, sir, because I want to touch on that. But I mean, explain to me how could that process ask a couple of random questions and not even care if you get the questions right, and then yeah, okay, you can go. Then you go up there and give a two-minute rant. How is that going to determine who the next guy on the fan should be? It's really not because. They're thinking that we need to get through as many people as possible, but I don't think the person that created this whole fancy phenom has a good pulse on what it really takes to be a good radio talk show host. You need to be a good listener. You need to be able to to have good listening, like I said, good listening skills. You need to give some good advice. You need to be able to do an opening monologue. You need to do a lot of things. You don't need to do a two-minute rant to determine your good you know, a good talk show host. I agree completely, and that's why my idea with this, folks, and if you don't agree with me, you're absolutely wrong. What they should have done, they should have made the questions harder, maybe give out four questions, and if you get, or five, you get three right, you advance, you get three wrong, you're done. That's it. I mean, you would have been gone, but that's that's the point. Ask the questions, get them right, you move on, get them wrong, you're done. That's it. End of story. That makes that process more stringent, less people get through, and that way what they should have done is give you a five-minute rant, like an opening monologue type of thing, and explain to you. you want you, And this is, the, this is what I didn't get. Explain to you. Do an intro to, to your show. Tell us who you are. You know, give the call number. 
like you give us five minutes as if you were really hosting a show, not just give us a two minute rant on any topic. If anything, if even if they were going to do the two minute rant, if they insist on keeping that, they should give you topics to choose from. On the spot, give you a topic. Bam! Talk to me about the NFL labor labor strike, or you know, talk to me about the New York Mets and their ownership situation. Not pick whatever you want, say whatever you want, do whatever you want for two minutes because you and I went in there completely unprepared and we would have done a better job. But that's besides the point. Whoever makes it through, give them a five-minute opening monologue explaining exactly what they should say, and then do, do a fake call. Have one of your staff, have somebody call in, give it a phone line, ask a question, you know, hear the whole thing on speaker or whatever, see how that goes, hear them interact with the caller, answer a question, introduce the caller, you know, do it all. Just make it in a way that's just better suited to, to really tell who is a good, who's going to be a good host. And on top of that, have you sit down at a desk, you know, with a with a headset, with a mic, with everything. You know, make it like you're you're really doing a show, not doing a two minute stand up comedy act, sir. It made no sense, but um, you know, the five minute might have been a bit too much if they were expecting hundreds of people there. They would have been there no, all but, day. But but my point, my point, and Fitz said the same thing. But my point is, if you make the the screening process harder, less people get through, which gives you about the same amount of time anyway. They basically ask whatever questions. And then if you got it right or wrong, you advance anyway. So what kind of screening process is that? It's true, but they're also going by the fact that there weren't that many people online. And I think that Pat from Brick is the one that said they might have actually pushed us all through because we all waited online forever to go do our rants. I agree, but I just think that, you know, two minutes is not enough. Make the process harder, and that way you give the people who do make it through, however many that is, Give them a little more time. You know, if it takes more time, then so be it. But you're trying to, you're really trying to find out talent. You know, you're trying to find out who the next host or the next successful host of WFN should be, not just some random Joe Schmo bum slob who can cut a two-minute promo. And, and you know, I don't agree with the process, but obviously it's, it's their choice. And then again, with me, after you do all that, my second second time in the, you know, the semifinals would be an interview with somebody you know, have them do an interview because obviously you have a lot less people. And then the final one, of course, if you make it, would be the whole Barre thing with Mike. But I believe that you can tell a lot more from a five-minute, uh, a little five-minute promo, or even you could say up to five minutes. Let's just say do up to five minutes and then take a call. How about that? So you don't have to actually do five minutes. You can do three or four or two. But you give them time, you give them exact format, and then you have somebody call in. And that makes the process that much more specific then you do a different thing for round two, which, of course, would be an interview with an athlete, somebody famous, and then boom. If they make it past all that, drop it off. Because to me, that gives you a much better indicator of who would be a good host and who wouldn't. Because let's be honest, I mean, we've done, we're doing this show for six months, and, yeah, we're not like the, you know, Mike Francesa or anything, but we put on a good show. We put on an entertaining show, and I believe that if we got the chance, we could, you know, lay the smack down on them. What I think is going to happen, sir, is that we're going to end up like Mike and Chris and become famous, world famous, you being Mike, of course, you know, with some of the jokes and the things that we talk about. And then, of course, the WFN is going to throw millions of dollars at me, and I'm going to abandon you, you know, after we get on serious. I'm going to abandon you in the show and then go to WFN for a lot more money, sir. That, I mean, that does spot, sound spot on. I mean... I think that you know somebody has a better <laughs> a better purpose for us. I think that we do our show, uh, we put on an entertaining show together, and uh, it would have been nice for one of us to get through. But maybe this means that we are meant to do a show together instead of by ourselves. But DG is absolutely right; they could have definitely made the process not 
more not more strict, but they could have refined it a lot more. Where you know you're you're doing a rant on they, a topic that they give you, and then you're also taking a caller because remember, half your show or sometimes more than half your show is taking callers and getting their take on it, and then you're responding back to them, having a conversation, listening to them. I mean, for all we know, the person that wins Fancy Feet on two has no idea how to listen to a, a caller, and all he does yeah. is give his take on things. So that's I think seventy-five percent right. of your yeah, I think seventy-five percent of your show is probably callers. Um, you know, it's taking calls because you're really not ranting much. You give a rant, but it's mostly you reacting to them and see what they say and kind of going back and forth. And then, of course, you're for the most part taking callers uh, after the break. You know, before the break, so. You know, Joe, uh, give us your closing thoughts on the fantasy. I mean, we had a great time, folks, and it was a great idea, a great opportunity. And we, of course, appreciate WFN for giving us the opportunity and giving us that chance. But uh, give us your, your t- thoughts as uh, we're about to move into uh, the one and only Hans who's going to join us for a little X-Men movie review. But uh, give us your thoughts on the whole thing, sir, if you could. Sure. Briefly. I mean, I mean, like I said, to, if, just putting it into perspective, six months ago when we started the show, I would, if you told me that, you know, you, are you going to try out for Fantasy Phenom 2? I would have said, hell no, I am nowhere near ready. But I think that, you know, as we be, became more comfortable as the show went on, um, I think we built a great relationship. We had great people on. We were able to do a great show. Um, you know, each and every show was uh, unique, but we were able to build our experience that way. And then, you know, we decided to go for Fantasy Phenom 2. Um, the whole process itself was... Not, I wouldn't say grueling, but it was definitely tiring because of the time we woke up and what we had to go through, wait online for three or four hours for apparently no reason, and DG has definitely harped on that one. But uh, I, I had a good time <laughs> on Saturday. Um, I looked at some of um, the semifinalists. Some of them, um, I don't know how they got through, to be honest with you, DG. I don't think that these people would be good talk show hosts. And remember, they're basing it on a two-minute rant, just like I'm basing it on looking at them. So... If they're saying that these people are good enough to get through, and I'm saying not, then there's something wrong with the process. I agree, and you know, obviously, I believe that Pat should have got through, and you know, much love goes out to him, and hopefully, he'll get the job done. Uh, but you know, as I close this out, but I agree with you, sir. If we're looking at the same thing they're looking at, and we're like, how the heck did this person get through? How did they pass? <clears throat> but you know what? They they know better. There, I guess they're the ones who came up with the whole thing and they're doing the whole thing. But. uh Again, it was a great opportunity. It was great to meet the guys that we met, and we had a blast. And speaking of blasts, we're going to move on from that, sir. We're going to segue from Fantasy Phenom into a little X-Men first class as we close up the show with the one and only Hans. How are you doing, sir? How's it going? I'm doing good. You guys? Doing great, doing great. Good, good. So, Hans. Break it down for us, sir. What are your and of course Joe and I watch this movie, so Joe, you can go take a nap right now as as we basically take over the show. Hans, give us your thoughts. What did you think of X Men First Class? As a moviegoer, I loved the film. It was great. It had enough action. The actors were were phenomenal. Uh, you know, the characters were good, but as a fanboy and we talked about this off the air. As a fanboy, it was disappointing. They they picked the wrong characters. Um, as far as how the stories are, all I know is Magneto and Xavier are are the only ones that got it correct. Everybody else was wrong, pretty much. Uh, I'm not pretty much. I'm not too hip on on the X Men. That I never really followed them when I was a kid, but I know 
Xavier's and Magneto's story was pretty much um, it was close enough where you wouldn't be able to tell the difference unless you were a hardcore fan. But like I said, I I love the movie. I love the two cameos uh, by Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Rebecca Romaine. I thought that was great that they they appeared. I know they had, um, I know you missed it, but they had um, Cyclops in it, Storm, and one of the sequences, uh, younger versions of them, uh, which I thought was pretty cool that they showed them at least. Um, I don't know. You, your take? Well, I mean, I agree. I love the movie. I thought it was an amazing film, a lot of action. I had some comedy. You know, I had the cameos, like you said. It was great. It really doesn't tie in with the other action movies, aside from the Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Romaine cameos. But as a fan of the comics, I mean, I cannot believe, sir, how wrong. They got every single part of the movie wrong. It was about 95% incorrect. The characters were come entirely wrong. Their powers are right, and of course, uh, Xavier and Magneto's stories were pretty much accurate. And uh, you know, in terms of their friendship, not even the friendship with uh, Charles Xavier and Mystique that was totally wrong. Um, the fact that they, the, the characters that they picked, I have no clue why they picked these characters. I mean, the uh, the, the acting quality was superb. The guys who played James McAvoy and I think Michael Fassbender who played uh, Charles Xavier and uh, Magneto, respectively, did an amazing job, better than Ian McKellen and better than Patrick Stewart, no doubt on that. The actors themselves were just absolutely top-notch, grade-A material. Loved that. Even Kevin Bacon's turn in Sebastian Shaw was great. I loved that as well. Um, But it's like a Catch-22. It was an amazing film, but if you're a comic book fan, there's no way you could have liked what they did. They even made an X-Men first-class comic, and it had the original X-Men, which, for those of you who don't know, is Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, and Angel, the male version of Angel, Warren Worthington III. But instead, in this movie, for the first class, and uh, let me get your take on this real quick before I get into that, sir. Um, You know, they had a female version of Angel, who was a character who was barely seen in the comics and comes months later on. They had Beast, they got him right. They had Havoc, who was actually Cyclops' younger brother, somehow ends up being his older brother or non-relative in this movie. They had Darwin. Um, they had Mystique, which made no sense. They had uh, who else did they have? So there was another character they had in this in the movie as well that I, I, I forget they, at the moment. Well, the, the bad guys. Oh, Banshee. Was, they had uh, Banshee. Banshee, and for bad guys, they had that uh, the one that's like Nightcrawler, but he's uh, red. Yeah, they had Azazel, who's sure actually Necro's father. Yeah, Azazel's his and name. They had Riptide, who's another character who should not have been in the movie. And, of course, they had the White Queen. But what gets me, sir, is that in the in the Wolverine movie, Emma Frost, the White Queen, was a girl. In this movie, based in the 1960s, she's a young woman. What, what did you think about the time setting? I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But what did you think about the fact well, that they based the movie in the well, 60s? All right, if we're, if we're going to take it uh, as a standalone movie like you said, not tied to the other three, I thought it was good the way they they picked that time uh, frame. The 1960s, how uh, Sebastian Shaw was controlling that uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. I, I thought that was pretty cool that, that they were able to tie it in together. But if we're going to take it as, all right, it's supposed to be a prequel to, to the other three, then it was horrible because, like you said, Mystique is 20 years old or 20... Or actually, she's younger than 20 in this movie. She's younger than Xavier by a couple years, 
which yeah, would still yeah. make it like about sixty in the new movies if we were going uh if we were going to go accurately. But they did mention that because of her mutation she ages slower than everybody else. I don't know if you picked up on that fact or, you know, it didn't really matter because the rest of the characters would be much older than that. Yeah, they mentioned that. And that's the whole reason that I didn't like the Cuban Missile Crisis. In that sense, they got the time frame right because that's exactly when the X-Men actually started in real life, in 1962, as a matter of fact. So I liked that part of it, but I, I hated it because, again, if you tie it into the other movies, that would make Charles Xavier about 75 years old in the in the end. Uh, that would make Magneto about the same age, and that's just entirely too old. I mean, Ian McKellen looks like he's about 175, but the fact of the matter is that it makes the characters way too old. It would have made um, Havoc about 65, you know. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Charles would have been more like 80 or 85 and uh, it just didn't make any sense to me, sir. I actually, I actually don't understand it. I thought the the Cuban Missile Crisis thing was kind of cool. But if you're going to go that route, you know what? Reboot the entire thing. Don't make it a prequel. But get the right X-Men characters. Get Cyclops. Get Jean Grey. Get um, Angel. Get Iceman. And you know the scene where Havoc is testing out his powers? Substitute that for yeah. Cyclops. The scenes, you know, in the outside, they could have Iceman, you know, trying to control his powers where he freezes the entire building or freezes the entire room or turns... You know, Beast and Professor X into statues. I mean, get that right at least, because even the, the X Men First Class comic had the right five characters in it. This one just threw random characters from random time periods and random dates and. I think what they no... wanted to do. Sorry to cut you off, but I think what they wanted to do, at just to tie it in somewhat, is to reflect the characters that they had in the first three without losing, without actually having those characters because you have Havoc who's mm -hmm. just like Cyclops, Angel, the female Angel replacing the male Angel. You know, they didn't want to stray too far away, so I, I think that's why they might have done it. But like you said, but you it, realize, it sir, up the not to cut you off, not to cut you off, but you realize that Beast was in X-Men 3 and he's also in this movie. I do realize that and that's what I don't get about these movies and how Hollywood plans the these things out because when you see Beast in X3 it seems like they don't know each other I know they said uh, they knew each other way back when but still they yeah. act as if you know they don't know each other and then you come to see him in this prequel and they did the same thing with uh, the Wolverine movie where he meets Scott Summers when he was younger but then Cyclops doesn't remember Wolverine I know they erased yeah, and, Wolverine's memory but they didn't do that to, to Cyclops, so how does he not recognize Wolverine? And the funny thing is, in those movies, uh, the X-Men movies and Wolverine, they're tied into the same continuity. This, I don't know if it was a reboot or not. And, Joe, I know you and I talked about this uh, off the air, but, um, you know, getting into the whole rebooting stories, and then what do you think about that? I know you haven't seen this film, but what do you think about that whole, all right, it's been five years, let's redo the entire story again, then let's do this movie again and again. I know they did it with Superman, so give us your take on that, sir, if you could. I'm thinking it's all about money because I I mean why would you know any comic book or comic book company DC or Marvel allow um you know a director or another set of producers to redo their you know what they've created from the get-go so I think it's all about money unfortunately Yeah it it is a shame uh, Hans that it seems and this movie is actually performing not as well as some of the other movies and every X-Men movie did better than the last 
And of course, X Men Three was probably one of the worst films of all time. But um, and I didn't hate Wolverine as much as some people did. But it really upsets me that they get the stories wrong. Because again, as a comic book fan, at least get that much right. They get the powers right. Why not the stories? You mentioned the whole Beast thing, but like we said, Beast was in the other X Men movies. So, sir, it made no sense to have him in this movie as well. And why couldn't they just get the original five characters, and then maybe if you want to add an, uh, Havoc, you know, he, he was also one of the first people to join the team after the original five. If you want to have maybe Colossus or even Banshee, if you're going to have Banshee in the film, at least make him Irish, at least get his story right. Same thing with Moira McTaggart, sir. I just I don't understand that whole process of it. They get Magneto and, and, uh, and uh, Charles right, but they get everybody else wrong. I don't know, and I think Marvel knew that this movie was going tank because if you know, I stayed all the way through until after the credits, expecting you know something yeah. to come up for the second part, but they didn't have it. Which right there, you, you could tell that they knew this movie was going to do horribly. So why put it out? Why why even bother making this movie if one, like you said, they're not going to get it right, and two, they have no plans of continuing it. If it's supposed to be so, a reboot, then you you would think they would show something at the end, like Marvel has been doing with the other movies. Yeah. Not only that, but I don't and, know if you noticed, but Stanley did not make a cameo in this movie, which is probably one of the first Marvel films that he wasn't in. So even there, you could tell that he wasn't a part of this. Whether we don't know why, but maybe he he wasn't digging the idea either. It's possible, but like Joe said, it's all about the money. And it's unfortunate. It's like, Joe, what, what do you think about this? Uh, Batman, you know, what is it? Dark Knight Rises is coming out next year. It'll probably be a good film. Not great, but good. And then five years later, they're going to reboot Batman. What do you think about that, sir? Actually, well, it's I more mean, like two years after. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't Jimmy? mean to cut you off. But but they, um, WB I think is you planning did. to reboot the series as soon as that one's done. Crazy. So? I mean... If you told me that they, um, you know, when they, they released the Batman series from 1989 with Michael Keaton, and, you know, they kept it like that, and then they said that they were going to reboot it, I would have said, oh, my God, it's going to get worse than it was. But uh, fortunately, with, you know, Chris Nolan and Christian Bale, they really did a great job rebooting it. I mean, all I could say is let's let's wait and see. I mean, they did a great job with this Batman Begins, um, The Dark Knight, and then hopefully The Dark Knight Rises is going to be a good movie, too. So we can only hope that the reboot of that will be even better because, you know, like I said, you know, after Batman, the first movie in 1989, then Batman Returns, I think the Batman series after that with, you know, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever were just downhill. I mean, it just it left a bad taste in all Batman fans' mouths. But, sir, you can't tell me that you think there's any way humanly possible that, first of all, that the Dark Knight Rises can top the Dark Knight or that they could ever find a way to make this um, this movie, the new movie or a new series, better than, than the, the last one. I don't, I don't even see how it's possible. I think they honestly made the perfect film in The Dark Knight. As good as uh, X-Men was, it's not, I don't care what anybody says, it's not better than the Batman movie. It's just not. Anything to do with Spider-Man, and you know, uh, Hans, you, you know, we were talking about the Spider-Man reboot, and uh, <clears throat> I'd like to get your take on this, sir. There's no way that it could be better than what we saw in The Dark Knight. So, you know, talking about that, what do you think about the idea that they're rebooting Spider-Man again after the first two were amazing successes, and here we are with, with uh, you know, the third one was, was a failure, 
epic failure, just like the X-Men. But what do you think about doing uh, Spider-Man again, sir? Is that for me or JB? No, well, that, that's for JB, that's for you, that's for Pat from Brick, whoever wants to answer it. Well, go ahead, to me, I... <laughs> alright, uh, JB, go ahead, you can go first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I personally, after the first Spider-Man movie, I thought that the series was really bad. So to reboot it, I'm comparing the Spider-Man series now to the 1989 Batman series that you know got rebooted with Batman Begins. So I think they could do a much better job rebooting it. So I have no problems with the, the Spider-Man series being rebooted. You didn't like Spider-Man 2? What the hell is wrong with you? I did. I mean, I did. I just don't. I, part 3 was just uh, another movie that left a bad taste in my mouth. And once you, you you do that, it's time to reboot. What about you, Hunt? What did you think about this mess? Uh, I'm kind of on the fence. I agree with Joe. Um, part three did leave a horrible taste in my mouth, worse than uh, X-Men 3 did. So I'm kind of glad that they're rebooting it. But at the same time, it's too quick. And if they're not tying it in with the rest of the Marvel Universe, then why bother? I don't I don't know what their plans are, but like I was telling you, if if you're going to make a movie about comic book heroes, you should write something out, a five-movie plan or a six-movie plan, not try to stuff 40 years of comic book history into three movies like they did with X-Men, or actually with X-Men 3, because that's practically what they did in that movie. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I they, agree they with should that. plan it out. And you mean like they're doing with the Avengers, where all the movie, all these single Avenger movies are tying into a bigger Avenger movie thing? Yeah, th- that's exactly what they should do. And that I have a problem with like superhero, I guess, uh, group movies because, uh, like in X Men, they focused just on Wolverine. He was the center of that movie, and he's not really the center in the comic books. I mean, he's a big part of it, but he's not the main character. And yeah. that's a problem I have with when they make movies like this. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it with Avengers. I'm still waiting to see how they balance it out. But with X-Men, they, they kind of dropped the ball. Even though the first two were great, they they still kind of dropped the ball because they made Wolverine the main character. I, I know Hugh Jackman is the star and all, and they were yeah, planning on doing his own, own Wolverine movie, which kind to me, it sucked. I, I hated that movie. And I wasn't a fan of Wolverine as a kid either, but I knew his story just a bit enough to know that the movie was not like the comics. Yeah, I thought that the movie was interesting and it had some good points and, you know, the Gambit thing and stuff like that, tying him in and Deadpool. Who they, they? I mean, you know, whatever. It, it kind of is what it is. But um, the fact is that they did make the movie about Wolverine and Part 3 was horrible. It was an absolute slop fest of a movie, and then they killed Cyclops in the first five minutes, which pissed me off, and that basically made me want to walk out of the, of the theater, and I didn't, you know, because I figured, like, let's see how much, how worse this can get, and it got worse, amazingly enough. You know, in the final team, after they started out with Cyclops and uh, Wolverine and Storm and Jean Grey, at the end of part three, the, you know, the final battle, it's a kid Iceman, a useless Shadowcat, uh, not Russian Colossus, you know, Kelsey Grammer's Beast, and then Storm and, and Wolverine. It just wasn't what I expected it to be, and it was definitely a, a disappointing movie. But, And again, you know, getting back to X-Men First Class, the movie was great. It was done in a first-class manner, but, but the actual 
some of the execution and uh, the story itself just did not go with the comics, which disappointed me, sir. On a scale of uh, one to five, Hans, the five being the best, what would you give this movie? Give us your take on I that. Would have to, I would have to give it a two and a half because, as a, like oh, wow, I said really? before, as a movie, well, as a movie goer, it's entertaining. If I didn't read comics, if I didn't know comic books, I would have enjoyed the movie. I would have probably gone and seen it a second time. But like I said, as a as a comic book fan, I can't I can't co-sign that movie. I can't give it more than a two and a half. And it's lucky it's getting that. <laughs> well, as a movie, I'd probably give it a four and a half. As a comic movie, I'd probably give it a negative half, like my wife would say, or a negative zero. <laughs> Woo! Because it definitely did not uh, fulfill the expectations of me as a comic book fan. Joe, do you think that comic book fans such as myself or maybe even Hans or whomever, you think we're too picky when it comes to these movies? I mean, should we enjoy them for what they are, even if they get the entire story of our characters wrong? Or should we, you know, chop it up and throw away the key? Yeah, you 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 hit on a good point. I was going to say it. You didn't have to ask me. You guys are a little bit too anal on this whole comic book. It wasn't like the comic book. It wasn't the comic book. I mean, that's all you hear Even though from you it's guys. based you... on a comic, can you explain to me? It's based on a comic. If they came out and made Batman, uh, you know, a, a little girl, would you would you be, oh, yeah, this is a great Batman movie. Oh, but Batman's a woman. Oh, it doesn't matter. What would you think about that, you scum sucker? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the <laughs> the Pure Gold episode where I don't have to say a word, and it's like a tribute to Pete Ross, the whole two and a half hours <laughs> of you and uh, Hans paying homage to Pete Ross because he was the best character in comic book history. <laughs> you know what? You're lucky that I'm a nice guy, and uh, I just don't want to smack that on you right now. You know, you're insulting me. You're insulting my family. You're insulting Pete, and I will not stand for it. You can talk anything else you want, but you don't insult Pete, sir. If you do, <laughs> you get the smackdown laid on you quick. Oh, uh, I cannot wait for that episode. <laughs> but anyway, Hans, do you have any closing thoughts on on this film, or you know, anything else coming up on uh, on the pipeline, sir? I just want to give my take on your question. I don't think we're being too anal. That's like taking a, a book, like a Stephen King book, and changing all the characters in it. I don't know how Stan Lee could just stand by and say, yeah, this is cool, just do that with my characters that I created. Well, he's about 100 years old, and he's he's a you know degenerate, so he probably has no clue. But, you know, that's a good point. You're talking about uh, literature and stuff. That's like taking... Uh, you know, the Bible and making a movie about Jesus, but yet somehow Jesus oh, isn't, in, isn't in the film. No, 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 no. I, I'm talking about, you need to shut up. I'm talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying it's a religious thing. I'm not even comparing it to the Bible in terms of the quality of anything or nothing like that. What I'm saying is take a book, take a, a story. And, you know, I, I believe the, the Bible, but, you know, you take a, 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 some, some piece of work. Maybe the Bible is a bad example. But let's take um, Sherlock Holmes. You take Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's masterpiece, and you make Sherlock Holmes a minor character in the movie. Or, in fact, you make Sherlock Holmes a, a black transvestite woman. What do you think about that, sir? I mean, would that be the same thing? You know what? Shut up. Because the fact <laughs> of the matter is that there's no way you can compare, you know, and I asked you this because I knew I'd have to write a smack down on your sorry you-know-what afterwards. But the facts are the facts. The numbers don't lie. No matter all the money we make, the chances we take, it all amounts to nothing. Because the fact of the matter is that, they, like Hans said, these are works of art. These are, these are masterpieces of literature. Even though he didn't say that, I'm throwing those words in there. 
They were written yep. a certain way. They should be done remotely in a certain way. What if they took Superman and they completely changed Superman? And said, oh, this is a Superman movie, but Superman is a 12-year-old boy who, you know, is obsessed with cats and, you know, is, is a freak and has no superpowers and he happens to be from Puerto Rico instead of Krypton. What would you think about that, Joe? You know, why don't you man up? Why don't you show some guts? <laughs> Would you calm down one second? I mean, all I have to say is that it comes down to money again because, like you guys are harping on, how you know, like how guts. Would you, some guts, guts How would you feel if they changed? How would you feel? How would you feel? You said. Wait, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. Keep me out. Joe, you were saying? Yeah, I was saying. <laughs> Jack wagon. <laughs> you just said, and Hans just said, you know, it's like changing the characters from the comic books onto the movie screen. Well, isn't it true that if you want to make a movie about the comics, basically you have to ask permission to do that? And usually they'll say yes because the mighty, the mighty dollar always beats out any creative control that somebody might have. That is right, possible. Joe, wait, hold on. Go, All right, go, go ahead, go. DG. No, you go. All right. You're saying that it's all about the money, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that's the case, then why is X-Men doing so horribly? If, if they saying... wanted to make money and they wanted to please everybody, and when I right. say everybody, it's comic book fans who go watch these movies mostly. Because, like, the average viewer, yeah, I'll go see a movie, but I'd rather watch... Hangover 2 before I watch X-Men. A comic book fan will watch X-Men before anything else, and he'll watch it two or three times. So why, if it's about the money, then why not get it right and please the people who actually read these books, who are out in the stores every week getting their comics? Because you're, you're, in the minor- <laughs> you're the minority. Not that many people read the comic books anymore. We're... People won't want to go out and watch a good movie and be entertained for two and a half hours. They don't are want, you on drugs? They don't want continuity. Are, they don't want continuity. Are you hanging, are, listen, are you hanging out with Vic? I mean, are you smoking that crack that, that Vic is on, that bad crack? The fact of the matter is that the comics are, have never been more popular. That's why they're rebooting. That's why DC's doing what they're doing, because they want to get, uh, you know, tools like you to tune into the, the comics and have a jumping on point, whereas their classic fans can continue to follow it. The comics are extremely popular, and Hans's point, I think, is a great one that has to be repeated, because the fact is that those movies, you're, ran- you're telling me that a random person who doesn't care anything about comics is going to say, yeah, I'm going to go see this superhero movie. It's obviously a superhero movie. Or they're going to go see The Hangover 2. Or they're going to go see, uh, you know, whatever other, well, I forget what other crappy movies are out there. But the fact is, oh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, those are the movies that people are going to go watch. If you want to see a good movie, oh, I like Johnny Depp. I'm going to go check this movie out. There's nobody in this film, X-Men, that you're going, oh, I want to, I got to see James McAvoy. Oh, I got to see it. No, nobody's saying that, oh, Michael Fassbender. Oh, I love Michael Fassbender. Who the hell is Michael Fassbender? You know who he is? He's a pure gold intern. That's who he is. Because the fact is that when you look at these movies, you're going to see them as a comic book fan because you know comics. 
the, ran, the, the random person on the street knows who Superman is. Random person knows Spider-Man. Random person knows Batman. But the X-Men are not like that. You know, and, and the Hulk and a lot of these other characters. I mean, yeah, people know Captain America, and that movie may do well. But Green Lantern, who the hell? I love Green Lantern. But do people really know who the Green Lantern is? Your average person on the street? No. So how can you sit there all high and mighty, all sports pope, and tell me that that these movies are just random and people just go see them and they don't care? Because that's not true. That is absolutely not true. So, all I'm saying is you're not getting my point. My point is... Say what is your you point? are the. Can you make your point? Say, Can you tell me what your point is? Say you're the director of the new X Men movie, and you decide to make your version of the X Men First Class. <laughs> you then go to the people that create X Men and say, "Can I put this movie out? Is it to your liking?" They'll say, "How much is it going to cost you?" You're going to say five hundred million dollars for you to produce this movie to direct this movie. What? And you're going to you're going to pay it. Whatever it is, whatever the price is, tell me why then, Hans and DG, tell me why they were able to make this movie. Why? Hans? I mean, Wayne. Hans, are you still there? Hans yeah, I'm still here. Why were they able to make this movie? <laughs> why? I yeah. don't know why, because it, obviously they weren't thinking it through. It only made about $56 million, which is lesser than anything out there. I think okay. I could film DG recording the show and, and make more than $56 million. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think we could... <laughs> No, no, wait, wait. I'm asking you. No. You're, not, you're no. not listening to my question. They were able to make question? this movie. They were able to make this movie, and you said it made $56 million. They knew it was going to bomb, you're telling me. You tell me that they knew that it was going to bomb. Then how come they were still able to make the movie? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Hans, let me cut you off for a second. That argument doesn't even make sense because I'll give you case in point. Movie, movie studios have made films like The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is considered probably the biggest box office bomb in the history of the world, or movies like Mars Needs Moms, for example, for kids. Those movies made so little money and did so horrible and cost so much to make, the studios still put them out there. The studios still threw up that slop fest, knowing it, I mean... You know, hoping they'd make money, but the movie's bombed. And when you watch the films, which I've never seen either one, but if you watch any bad film, you know it's horrible. So why do they make the movies? You tell me, sir. Getting into the WWE for a second, we talked about their films. Why the hell does the WWE make movies? They're all horrible. They're all low-quality, bootleg crap with wrestlers that nobody cares about. Who the hell wants to see Brodus Clay in a movie? Who in the hell, who in their right mind wants to see Randy Orton in a film? Can you tell me, sir? Randy Orton's own father doesn't want to see him. Him in a movie. So can you explain to me why Vince wastes fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars on these garbage movies that repeatedly and and have proven to make absolutely no money? Explain that to me. Why do these movies get made? Because you know for a fact, as a wrestling fan, let me bring it into your wheelhouse, sucker. How in the hell do these movies get made? Because they suck. You know they suck. Vince McMahon knows they suck. God in the heavens above knows that they suck. The devil in the earth below knows they suck. The whole world knows that they absolutely suck. So explain so, that to me, you jack wagon. So since, so since it's not about the money, then Vince makes these movies to lose money because that's his goal. He wants to make a movie to lose money, is what you're saying. No, what I'm explain it to me. You're telling me I don't know. You, neither one of us would ever dare see the Marine, but all of Vince's movies have bombed. Every single one of them. Not one of these films has ever made any money. 
So explain to me, after like 10 films or however many it's been, you're telling me that Vince thought to himself, man, if we make the knucklehead with the big show, people are going to go see it. You're telling me that Vince actually thought that these movies would be any good? The, my, my unborn child knows that these movies are horrible. So explain to me that if anybody greenlit these movies and thought they'd make money. There's no way because they're horrible. Because they've proven time and time, and the action movies have proven to be successful. But time and time again, these WWE films have proven to be complete pieces of crap that make no money. And you're talking about See No Evil. You're talking about The Marine 1 and 2. You're talking about, uh, what the hell was that movie with Mr. Anderson, uh, I forget what it was, uh, something, something, uh, you know, Columbia, I, I don't know. You know, you're talking about, you're talking about these films, you're talking about I Am What I Am, Knucklehead, you know, Legendary, these movies don't make money. Danny Glover just needed needed money to to support, I don't know what, that's why he took the role in that movie. Tell me why Vince makes these money, these movies, when we know for a fact that none of them ever make any money, and they've proven time and time again not to make money. Well, to to your point, then he's making movies just to lose money because it's not about money to you guys. No, explain it to me, Joe. What is it about? You explain to me. Don't tell me what what I think it is. Tell me what you think it is. Why does Vince McMahon make the? Have these movies ever been successful? Explain that to me. They haven't, but unfortunately, DG, not everyone is as smart as us. There are people that are ignorant, naive, <laughs> have no clue that live, you know, not in New Jersey because. You know, there are a lot of smart people in New Jersey, but there are other people in the South and the West that don't give a rat's ass, and they want to go watch a movie. How, as <laughs> whoa, bad whoa, as whoa. They, as oh, bad it is, there. as long as Randy Orton is in it, I'm going to go watch it because Randy Orton is my hero. Hans, give me your take on but this. See, why why in the world? They're, they're targeting their, their audience. They're targeting wrestling fans. Yeah. That's why they make these movies. That's why they make these comic book movies because they're targeting us, the comic book readers. And if you're not going to get it right, then why make it? Well, I, I guess ultimately we're going to have to just decide that there's no answer to this question because the truth is if you think about it, these movies don't make money, and we know that they don't make money, so why do they make them? Obviously, X-Men film is going to make some money. It'll make its money back at least. You know, maybe this will make them realize, you know what, we need to redo this. We need to just drop a deuce on it because it's not working. But personally, I don't understand why these films get made. If, if, And again, I go back to the same point, Joe. We know that these films with uh, WWE, they're not making money. They, they they never make money, you know. And, and uh, I mean, you know, going back to the whole, any film you can think of from WWE, I mean, they just don't, they just don't get the job done. So explain it to me, sir. You know, behind Enemy Lines three, uh, you know, Columbia with Mr. Anderson. What? Who, who thought that was a good idea, JB? I think they're just <laughs> trying to capture that magic that they did with The Rock in his first few films, where he took off as a superstar. <laughs> and oh, I'm not sorry. Doing it. Uh, I'm sorry. I forgot the greatest movie of all time, The Chaperone. How many copies of that movie do you own, JB? <laughs> About five. <laughs> Yeah, I know you need something to wipe yourself with when you when you've sold yeah. yourself. Exactly. The fact is that the fact is that these movies don't make money. The fact is that if you look at the X Men film, as good as it as it was as a film, it's just it, it's bound to be somewhat unsuccessful because it's just not sticking to the story that made it popular. You know, and uh, you know as we close out the show because obviously the time is advancing upon us, and we can sit here and say, and, and we you know argue this till the cows come home, and just prove how wrong and how clueless JB is. Hans, do you have any closing thoughts before we hang up on you? 
Hang up on them. I'll just see you guys on Thursday. <laughs> exactly. Wait, I'm, I, oh, yeah, I'm saying, Hans, did you just hit it? Listen, Hans, we appreciate you coming on. As always, it, it's been a pleasure, and hopefully yours, we'll have course. you on Thursday. Yeah, of course, of course, all yours. <laughs> but we appreciate you coming on, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the pleasure was all yours, JB. As always, we wrap up another Pure Gold episode fifty-one. Fifty-two is on the way. Of course, for those of you who can count, that is how many weeks we have in a year. But if you do, if you divide that in half, that's where we are, folks. When we get to about 104 episodes, we will be at one full year of pure gold in the history books. JB, these first six months have been classic. We can sit here, we can argue about WWE films for 10 minutes, and we still, you know, keep it pure gold. So, Joe, I'd like to thank Hans for joining us. I'd like to thank you, our listening audience out there. I'd like to thank our entire casting crew here, uh, who really don't haven't done much, so they don't deserve to even be named. So I'm not even gonna get into that. But of course. Check us out Thursday night. Check us out, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Check us out, puregoldpg.com. And, of course, if you'd like to call in, the show's about to be over, so I'm calling now. But if you'd ever like to call in, 714-364-4721. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. And tune in Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Standard time. Good night, everyone.